Welcome to episode 603. What the truck? You're Nooner with Dooner over here. Friday or on demand, whatever day it's been. You know, there's been, a, there's been something going around. There's been a story going around online about my alma mater, FedEx. A really inspiring story, especially if you're a degenerate gambler. So I'm going to inspire you, and then I'm going to crush your dreams. Look at this tweet right here. This was put out by... Just scroll down to it. John L. Richmond, he says, in 1973, FedEx had $5,000 in the bank and a $24,000 fuel bill. Founder Fred Smith couldn't get a loan fast enough. He took $5,000 to Vegas and won $27,000 playing blackjack, buying time to raise more money. Today, FedEx generates more revenue than casinos on the Vegas Strip. That sounds really awesome. That's really inspiring. I'm going to go to Vegas right now and save my business. There's just one problem, people. It's not true. Let's hear what, F- what Fred Smith himself, the man the myth is about, had to say. He said, the myth is that that then made the payroll for the company. That's not true at all. Although I won the money, we owed so much more money than that it probably would have been a drop in the bucket. But it's symbolic, and it probably would have been important. It's true, and it's a great story that everybody likes to tell. So there you go. Not true. Still inspiring. You got the fl- what is the Flame and Hut movie, right? On Hulu about the making of the Flame and Hut. That's a completely fabricated story, but they made a they made a movie about it anyway. So there you go. On today's episode of What the Truck, we're coming to you live from the 44th annual Walcott Truckers Jamboree with True TMS George Thelman. He's on the scene there. He's judging a beauty pageant. He's looking at all the trucks. We'll find out what's up with True TMS too. Uh, Descartes, Dan Cerucci, he shares the incredible story of founding MacroPoint. We'll learn how he built the company, what he's up to now at Descartes, what freight tech, uh, what freight tech to invest in, and how to scale a business. Aaron Peck, from founder and CEO at Mothership, he's a, he's he's founder and CEO at Mothership. He's also an actual freight tech rock star. He used to be on, uh, he was on the Interscope signed band, a thorn for every art, before deciding to jump into the freight over here in freight tech. We'll find out what's good with Mothership and what it's like transitioning from rock to final mile. Sasha Seymour, he's co-founder and CEO over at Learn to Win. They're an education-based company that does training with PGA Tour and uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, a bunch of NHL teams, things like that. We're going to find out for him what he knows that can translate to freight teams, plus how AI is changing society, Nicola's wild ride, flooding in Vermont, and and the freight world's worst hold music. We got some good news, though, before we jump into anything. T-Force and T-Force and dock workers in Vancouver came to terms yesterday. We said this was the summer of the strike, right? UPS and Yellow, you're on the clock now. T-Force, strike workers up in Vancouver, we got that all set. You can read all about it on FreightWaves.com. Also, my mom applied for us to be on Family Feud, so wish us luck. You can read all about that on my Twitter, Timothy Dooner. At Timothy Tuner. All right, let's tip the band. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best last mile drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use code FIRST3FREE. That's F-R-A-Y-T.com. Freight. But now, on the scene, the man on the scene, the man making the scene, the man of the hour at the Walcott Truckers Jamboree. It's Mr. George Thelman, Director of Business Development and Strategic Relations over at True TMS. George, you look great out there. Thank you, Dooner. It's very hot out here today. It, it's hot here in Chattanooga, too. That was my first question to one of the production guys. I was like, did he tell you if it's hot out there? Because right here in Chattanooga, it's like 100 degrees today. Uh, yesterday, I think it was like 108 real feel. Uh, we're getting there right now already. 
It's what's, a little warm. What's going on over in uh, in Walcott right now? You're over at Iowa 80. For those who don't know, it's the 44th annual Trucker Jamboree. It's, it's an amazing event. Uh, not only are we here to see all these people that are pride of their own rigs, but you also have it's a working truck stop. So you have people coming in and out throughout the day. It's just, it's, they don't stop. Uh, so there's about 100 trucks or so showing off their chrome and paint. And then you got all these other vendors. And uh, I think there's a pet contest going on right now. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's just, this is no, no event just like this anywhere else. Is it really, you, you mentioned it too. It's, it's an active truck stop. I think it's the biggest in the world, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, they claim it's the world's largest truck stop. Um, it is massive. Um, last year, I think they coined that about forty thousand people came through this place in three days during this trucker this trucker event. Um, I would say probably around that this year as well. This it's just been nonstop. And actually, Allie had to drive from Cleveland, Ohio, to here because my flights got canceled. And the amount of trucks I saw on the road is probably about twenty to one on the way here on I eighty. Uh, airlines have been a mess. Airlines have been a mess. What what brings you down there other than looking at like really cool trucks and checking out the world's biggest truck stop? Why why are you on the scene? So True TMS is uh, one of the sponsors of the Truck Beauty Contest. And us being a TMS built for the ground up for the small trucking carrier, uh, we want to be here boots on the ground, be around the truckers, get feedback, um, grow our social media content. But also, like I said, be around I actually, you know, one of our customers this year. Uh, competing and so getting firsthand knowledge of how they're using our software, how it's improving their 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 daily lives in the trucking, streamlining their operations and so forth. That's why we're here, not staying behind a desk. No, no, I, I wish I was there with you. So how does so how does this pageant that you're sponsoring work? So there's different classes. You have your show class. Obviously, those don't have authority, but then you have the working class. You have the uh, uh, ones that are by mileage, by age, um, different kinds of. Uh, uh, paint schemes on their trailers. Um, I forget how many different categories there are. And then last night they had the night, uh, night, uh, light the night uh, competition, which they were all lit up and there were fireworks going off. Uh, and then they crowned the winners tomorrow. Um, last year and the year before, um, top notch, uh, top notch uh, carriers. Uh, Marcel, the cowboy of the, the road, won two years in a row and he repainted his trailer. Uh, for this show, and I'll, I'll send you some pictures so you can see the, the massive amount of work that he's put into it. Yeah, no, it looks fantastic, and I've already seen a lot of the ones that you've already been showing. We're showing them to the audience right now. We're going to get to the, that fireworks in just a minute, but what trucks do you like that you're seeing out there? You're a judge, so you got to be, you know, you got to have your eye open, right? You're looking at the whole field. Is there a clear leader? No. Um, this year, there's a stiff competition. I mean, I, I mean, Marcel's got his work out, cut out for him. I mean, I, I obviously... His truck is very impressive, um, but there's some other ones with sentimental values. I see this one over here is uh, it's got a, um, you know basically a suicide awareness uh, message on the side. Uh, there's just all kinds of different messaging that they're putting onto their trucks. So it's not just and, you know, like I said, these are working trucks, most of them. So they're not only here for show, but they took loads to get here, and then they're taking loads away, right? So this, it's an amazing event in that sense. Look at that fireworks display. The city of Chattanooga. The city of Chattanooga. I have an axe to grind with, George. I mean, Greg, I'm sorry. Uh, that, no, it's George. I'm sorry. It is George. Uh, I have an axe to grind with us here because, sorry, I'm so angry at the city of Chattanooga because they gave us a light, a laser light display. They gave us something. They said it was too expensive to do the fireworks. Cost-saving laser light. Look at the truck stop over there. They got plenty of fireworks, Chattanooga. 
Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I didn't have it on video, but the truckers started getting into it with their horns. <laughs> really? I love it. I love. So this year, what are you looking for in the truck? Are you looking for an old classic? Are you looking for something that, that brings awareness to a message? What, what to you do you think says 2023 pageant winner? It, it's the, oh, there goes one go by right now. There you go. <laughs> Gotta love those train horns, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, I would say the classics. You know, the good old the cab overs. I really enjoy those. I mean, they just bring back memories of growing up and being on the interstate driving around with, you know, with the family. Um, but even with the big smokestacks, I just love looking at the Peterbilt and the Kensworth with the big smokestacks. Those are just, just awe, you know, awe, amazing technology back then and now bringing it back now. Has anyone entered, has anyone been daring enough to enter an EV into the beauty pageant yet? Um, no, I did not see. I did see a 2024, a 23, but it was not an EV. It was a Volvo, but it was, uh, it was not the, the EV version. Interesting. So what's the vibe like over there? You said you're out there. You're also promoting True TMS. You're having conversations with, with people. You're spreading the good word. What, what are you hearing out there? Um, actually, this is the most positive event I've been to yet this year. I have not heard much complaints about anything. Uh, everybody's just happy to around, be around everybody. Um, obviously, we were cooped up for two years there, and this is always good to be around everybody. Um, we're out spreading the good word, not only with the truckers, but also other vendors here, forging those partnerships as well as with the media. Um, and just really learning a lot. What, what is the trends? What can we at 3TMS do better so we can improve the education of the industry, right? There's a lot of people out there that are, I'm not trying to be mean, but are uneducated because they were never taught the right way to do their business. And so then they're teaching other people the wrong ways to do their business. And that's where we have this cascading effect of these lower rates and so forth, because people are just taking rates for the sake of taking rates. And so it's, it's good to hear that around here. Interesting. So people who are, who are coming out to the event, they're, they're on site right now, or they're thinking of coming next year. What do you, what do you recommend people do when they're on, uh, when they go in and visit the, the trucker jamboree? Well, if you're here in the truck, uh, obviously enter the contest. It's, it, 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 there's such um, amongst uh, the community at night after the event, they're all out in their chairs. They're all just conversing with each other. It's a band of brothers and, and sisters here. But if you, are in a truck bring your camper they got they got camping out on the grounds here so you can stay the whole weekend they got concerts they got events they got the iowa pork chops which are amazing i mean we don't have those in ohio um but the pork chops here are amazing interesting any any themes this year that that stick out no uh, i mean there's a, a lot of patriotic obviously a lot of grills well you'll see them they've been painting either the constitution or the american flag um, but I've seen a couple with, I see one over there that's got a military scheme on it, but it, it's, it's, uh, a, a lot of, actually I would say that, think of that. I'm looking at the midway right now A very, the, the theme would be patriotic. I would say it's the number one theme. Wow. So what's good. And to give you an opportunity here to promote true TMS a little bit, what do you, mm -hmm. what's good over there? What's happening lately with you guys? Sure. Uh, yeah, we, um, Obviously, uh, True TMS, we're, like I said, we're, we're a, um, a TMS with a small carrier, owner-operator. Um, we just released a new release last week that brought in a Gantt chart calendar view to help you plan your loads. It's always great to wake up the next morning and know where you're going and not spending all day trying to figure out where you're going, right? So it's easy to help you plan. Uh, we've got integrations with um, truckstop.com so you can bring in your load board right into there. Um, and we're, 
we're willing to listen. And that's one thing about us that we actually listen and we put it on the roadmap and we're, we're, we're always evolving. We, we don't want to be the ones that the traditional enterprise level that's thumbed down. We want to build up. I hear you. I hear you. So any new releases, any new products coming out? What's, what's hot this summer for, with you guys? Well, um, actually, uh, you know, like I said, we had a release last week with the, the new game chart, and then we're, we're dabbling into some non-asset stuff next, uh, next release. Um, but we're always looking for more partners uh, to uh, integrate with. That's going to bring value to not only the vendor, but also our carrier. Our carriers and drivers are the number one priority. How do we improve their lives? How do we streamline so they're not spending eight hours doing paperwork and they're doing eight hours of building relationships with their shippers and brokers? Very, very cool. How do people reach out to learn more? Uh, TrueTMS.com. That's T-R-U-E-T-M-S.com. Also, they can like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. I'm very vocal on LinkedIn, as you know. Um, and they can email me directly, uh, gfelman at truetms.com. Now, let me ask you something. What are you doing next? What's the rest of your day all about and the rest of your time over there? Uh, I'm actually uh, you know, going to be uh, mingling in a little bit. Uh, we've, we've got the Trucker Olympics going on uh, this afternoon, and that's, that's, that is not what you think it is, but it's kind of cool. They're like rolling tires through, through uh, obstacle courses. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then just really just hanging out with the truckers. I really don't have a plan. Wow. Wow. Well, really cool. I really enjoyed your time today. George, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a great day. Cool. All right, everybody. Meanwhile. What up, council? I'm here to discuss artificial intelligence. AI is going to take all of our jobs and render us useless. And I, for one... I'm stoked. I hate jobs. I had a job once, and everyone there talked in weird voices. AI is going to 86 all of that. But, but we'll still need money. That is why I'm asking the government to step up and make sure we're breaded. We are proposing a small payment plan, or small PP, of 10 G a month for every citizen so we can party and look hot and enjoy our free time. Now, we can't afford to just sit back and have AI bust through and not have a plan. We gotta make sure people have food and houses so we can party and rage in peace. So instruct AI to pay all of us, and then you dudes can retire gracefully before you get replaced, and we'll see you at the beach. The bonfires will be epic, Everybody will be hot. Martin Luther King. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent stuff. I don't know if you saw Kamala Harris the other day talking about um, AI. She was like, AI, it's a fancy thing. Two words. Artificial intelligence. I think that that gentleman right there should be the AI czar. And he made a great point, too, didn't he? He was like, uh, you know what? You better make these You better make these laws <laughs> enacted for the AI replaces you, the politicians, and you have no power left. Uh, Dan Sorucci, well, don't see him yet, so why don't we go to a little good news, bad news, guys? Bad news and good news. Yeah. Hope they're okay. All right, there's no real good news here, right? Bear, Vermont, many other areas have been hammered by flooding all week. Take a look at this Lay's truck right here as it floats down the river. 
with uh, the air inside of it, keeping it afloat until it hits that bridge. Check your bridge heights before you go out. No joke intended, though. I used to, I went to Bennington College for a year. Um, I used to work at a place called A. Daringer, spent a lot of time up in St. Albans. So it's really hard to see this, especially being a New Englander. What's happening right now is they're experiencing a 100-year storm that Newsweek says Vermont flood damage is uh, so severe it can be seen all the way from space. CNN says dangerous weather could bring more flash floods to Vermont. This is as they're going through all this. There's even more that's expected. At least one person has died before. Uh, R.I.P. Stephen Davel. He's 63 years old. He he drowned in uh, an accident near his home. On July 12th, as I said, more thunderstorms are rolling in. Biden has approved an initial emergency declaration for Vermont on Tuesday that uh, is going to set some of these processes in motion. But people are looking for a uh, full-on disaster relief over here, especially with more rain coming in over the summer. Just does not look good. Does not look good at all. Guys, good news, right? You got a new Nicola to be compliant with the SoCal ports. The bad news is this is your Nicola. Okay, that's that's not supposed. To. I know what's wrong with it. Ain't got no gas in it. <laughs> Ian Wyland put that up. He said, uh, "When the token EV takes a dive on her maiden voyage, terminals one, electric vehicle zero. Shout out to all the drivers who are stuck behind us. Thank you uh, for your patience and billable wait times." Here's what's wild though: Nicholas stock it's, it was ripping this morning, dude. It was up two fifty. It was to two fifty seven. It's up like eighty five percent in the past week. Going insane. It's acting like a meme stock. Do Wall Street bets hear about this one? The catalyst, Bayotech, they will purchase up to 50 Nikola Class A fuel cell EVs over the next five years. Or it was Ian's video of his truck breaking down. Maybe that was the market signal people were looking for. One EV, word of caution here, and the rug is already being pulled. I think this is down to like 225 as I checked right before I went on air. One EV insider told me it's going to be worth half as much once that share increase authorization goes through on August 1st. This is not financial advice. That's just what one insider told me. Take that as, as you will. Will Chajernalud, he says, rivying up 70% in the last month. will lose it and go EV struggle. They trade like crypto. No doubt. And then uh, uh, Freight Caviar, he says, damn, freight stocks are S-coins this week. (laughs) They sure are. All right, bad news. It's 100 freaking degrees out. Good news, you've got an APU. And Ed Mapes is here to tell you how it works. All right, folks. This right here is called an APU, auxiliary power unit. It will provide me with electricity in my truck and air conditioning. Since it's 100 degrees out here, inside that truck is at least 10 degrees warmer. Without the AC in there, I'm cooked. All right, so that's how I'm able to have the TV and a microwave and a George Foreman electric grill in there. Keeps me going. Excellent. APU, going to keep you warm. Just trying to get Dan teched over here. Guys in the back, know what I'm going to do? Well, actually, I'm going to send Samantha a link and tell him to come back in. Right here. Hold on one second. Bear with me, folks. The joys of live television and live producing yourself when you're sitting up here. Uh, Hold on. Let me get this over to um, Samantha. There we go. Okay. Cool, guys. All right, what else do we have? Well, unusually low call volume, but we'll go to unusually high call volume anyway to buy a little time here. Roll this. 
Okay, what is the worst hold music in freight? <laughs> That's what I asked when I put this out one. Real jo- No, you didn't turn that down, please. Real John Gal Florida says, Yellow, I feel like I'm listening to a beggar with a banjo. Mike says, I don't know. I haven't sat on the phone waiting for freight in years. American Trucker exchange. Some people use country roads is the worst one. Um, the tooth... The Tooth Fairy says the port I haul out of has generic music playing on hold. They used to switch up the music monthly. Now it's the same old thing. The best on hold music used to be C.H. Robinson that played classic rock out of Chicago. And uh, I didn't mind it that much. My wish, Aaron DeGroote, Adam DeGroote says, my wish list would start with Rihanna, Shut Up and Drive. Trouble says, I swear, all these foreign dispatchers that work overseas love this song. Stings, Englishman in New York. Scott McKinney says, a damage claim department that says Wolf Creek Pass on repeat. Pulis and Flackjack is MSC as Seagulls and S, and it's very annoying when it loops. Forget the carrier, but their music was the same as Comcast pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that one there. And Aiden Bahaman says, whoever is effing up the load, that's about to get yelled at at yellow, LOL. All right. I totally believe him. So we got Aaron Peck in studio. He's the founder and CEO of Mothership. But I'll tell you a really interesting story about the cosmic fate of freight. I was talking to my buddy, Ryan Schreiber, from Metaphora about, like, emo and screamo about a month ago. And he sends me this text. Look at this right here. Look at this text. Yeah, that text. Thank you. Timing is excellent today. <laughs> we're nailing it. All right. We're getting it right here. This is uh, there. He sends this and he goes, here's a deep cut. And I was like, man, I haven't heard these guys in forever. And then a PR person reached out to me about like two weeks ago. And they're like, hey, this guy, Aaron Peck. And he was with uh, this band. And I was like, wait a second. That's what Ryan had just texted me about a couple weeks ago. So he's here with us right now. Former Interscope recording artist, current founder of a freight tech company, Aaron Peck. What's up, man? Hey, how are you doing? I think that's nice pretty I think that's pretty cool, man. Wow. When were you, do you still play music up to this day? Uh, you know, just a little bit on my uh, youngest son's electronic drum set that we set up in his room, but uh, nothing too serious these days. Uh, a little, little too busy with the company. You understand. I, I just got one of those for my, for my kids for Christmas, my boys, the, uh, the electric kits. They've been nailing them, and I, I appreciate that they can put the headphones on. Keeps the house a little bit, a little bit quieter. That, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You and I are kind of kindred spears. I got my start back in the music industry, too. I was working out there in like from 99 until about 2003-ish. So almost in your era, too, of music. I was at an independent label called Cleopatra Records. It was, uh, it was a good time. But t- tell me about that first, because I don't, a lot of times I don't get rock stars on this show, especially freight tech rock stars. Tell me about the, the music journey first, because that actually led to a company. I think you still don't have a rock star on the show, but thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, no, I mean, look, I think uh, the music career was interesting in that it got me into design, you know, um, bands as you're coming up, especially we were coming up kind of in the social media era and you needed to learn how to design to, you know, build your web, your website, design all the merch, you know how it goes, the record covers, all that. And that's what originally got me into design and ultimately led me to design products. Um, you know, I use that. Uh, my connections in the music industry, plus my love of technology uh, that I had since I was a you know a, a young child, um, and and design, put it all together, and I ended up meeting some friends that were um, working on moneyballing music for for big record labels, and they had essentially no connections, um, and so that company went through Y Combinator, which is a you know a, a pretty prestigious technology accelerator. 
And, uh, you know, we, you know, I, I, I put us in touch with, you know, Atlantic, uh, which at the time Warner and, you know, a bunch of the connections. And we started working on finding people, including folks like Post Malone or Amigos, a bunch of really interesting artists. So it kind of worked, but we just realized that like the, the space to Moneyball Music, you know, your, your, your labels, the major labels that could afford this type of technology were kind of like capped to like five or six. And so it wasn't like a, it wouldn't ever be a billion dollar outcome. And so venture capitalists probably shouldn't invest in it. And, um, and so we end up, we end up going on to do something else from there. But yeah, no, that, that's what it led to. And it was really fun. And honestly, I, in, in the strangest way, I owe music kind of credit for moving me through my entire career, um, even to where I am today. No, I mean, so do I. I used what I learned in the music industry to what I do now. It's been very applicable. And I've just tied it into freight. So how was your journey, though? How do you like where did you get this interest in freight? How do you start looking over in this vertical? Yeah, so, no, so, you know, I, I kind of grew up on the warehouse floor of my grandfather's company, um, he, he, you know, and my my father ran packaging and shipping there. I thought my dad was like a rock star. Um and he used to babysit me on the warehouse floor of my grandfather's company. This is a, this is a super, super, really large warehouse, um, you know, pallets stacked to the ceiling. Um, and I would ride pallet jacks around kind of like a razor scooter. I'd put myself on the conveyor belts in a box and I'd get like peanuts dropped down on me. Um, I, you know, I'd go through the packing line, um, you know, and I could do that is, you know, cause my dad was kind of running the place. So it was fun. But really, I was there because, you know, um, you know, my mom was was cleaning houses to make money after school. And so she dropped me off with my dad. And and that was just my playground. Right. That was my daycare. Um, and, you know, once once I was kind of done messing around on the warehouse floor, you know, I'd sit next to my father who was at his desk and he'd be like, look, we have we have to set stuff out. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, you were just talking about yellow at the time. Yellow was like the main carrier that my my father had negotiated a tariff with. And so almost all the trucks, I think nearly 100% of the LTL trucks at the time were yellow. Um, and so I got to know all the drivers and, you know, he taught me to, how to fill out a bill of lading and everything about NMFC codes and classes and what products for what class. And I would look through pricing matrices and say, okay, if we're sending it from this state to this state, this would be the price. And so, you know, you probably wouldn't be interested in that stuff if your father wasn't in it. But if, if you th- if your father was like, you know, a big deal to you, then all of this stuff became like so interesting. And so that's really where my where my love of freight, I think, really took off. I just I just saw it as as something that was so important. And I just I became obsessed with it. I, I learned, you know, every diesel truck manufacturer, I can name every brand. I tried to convince my dad to become a a long haul truck driver and told we could travel the country together and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know why, you know, you just pick up these obsessions sometimes when you're older, but for me, it was when I was a kid and it stuck with me forever. Yeah. I mean, second generation here too. My dad was in the logistics space too. So it kind of like I, when I was a kid, I thought I would never want to do anything like what my father did. So it was it, then eventually in 2005, getting into this business was uh was a big change, but you know, it, it, it ended up working out for me. But do, do you remember when you got the idea for mothership? You're walking around, you're like, okay, I, let's go. I'm remembering all this background. I got being passionate about my dad, knowing a little bit about this business. Yeah, and you know, I wish these stories these these stories were easier to tell because it's like twenty twenty five years in the making. But you know, there's a lot that I'm going to skip here because we just simply don't have the time. But you know, um, in between the kind of the music and working on technology and all this stuff, um, my dad had had uh, 
invented a product uh, that he always was tinkering with around the kitchen table as we were kids. And, you know, he said, one day I'm going to take this to market. It's going to be just like your grandfather's company. It's going to be in every big box store. And, and eventually, like when I was old enough, I think it was 20 years old, 21 years old. I told my dad, look, I'm sick of this. I, I can't listen to you talk about this product, you know, um, going to market anymore without doing anything about it. I'm just going to help you. And I had no interest in the product is in the gardening space. But it was it was super clever and it was something my dad really wanted to see happen. And so I thought, look, I'm just gonna get behind this and see what I could do. I, I you know, I booked a trade show in Las Vegas. I, I booked a booth there uh, in, you know, like the hard goods kind of gardening, like the biggest show in the country. And I said, Look, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna try and sell this thing. And so when I saw the badges coming down the aisle of the big buyers, Amazon, Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, all those folks, I'd just jump out in the middle of the aisle and I'd go, I had, you know, one prototype of the product that I would say, Hey, you guys need this. Your customers are going to love it. X, Y, Z, just total diarrhea mouth, like the worst sales pitch ever, but tons of energy. Um, and I came back from the trade show and I said, Hey dad, I don't think it went really well. I think I wasted like $5,000 on that booth. And he said, it's okay. And then, uh, you know, and then, you know, a few weeks later we got a huge PO, like our first opening PO, you know, for like hundreds of thousands of pieces. And the problem was, is that, I was demonstrating what was essentially like the, the only prototype we had. And so we had to spin up and become a manufacturer real quick, plastic injection molder. I had to buy some machines from a, a company that was going out of business. And like, like we literally became a manufacturer. And so that's a long winded way of saying, then I eventually became my father, wherein I had to negotiate our tariffs for all inbound and outbound freight. And so then I started really experiencing where the real pain was. Right. And one thing stuck with me, you know, look, it is not, you, you can't get an LTL truck in a modern way today, but you can get it, right? When you need it, it's, it's basically an email phone call, like a, a couple of clicks away. It, it's, you know, it's not impressive. It's still super old fashioned, but it comes. Same thing with FTL, right? As long as you're paying the prevailing rate, like if you need a truck, in, in most cases, it's easy to send a one line email to your brokers, same load today as yesterday, right? Like that's not hard. It's not modern. Again, it's super you know, kind of antiquated, but it also works and it's fast. The problem that I experienced though, is that those two things were easy for me, but this last mile stuff where we're bringing in all of our materials and sending stuff out to warehouses, man, that was impossible. Like, you know, no one was in that space. There was all these box truck drivers. So this is what mothership does, right? But there's, so there's all these box truck drivers. You see them all over the place and you're just saying, well, you know, why can't I get these through my broker? How do I get a hold of these guys? Like where, what? Where's the load board for these people? Like, and it just didn't exist, right? And so I ended up spending a lot of my time there and I realized, wow, that's where the real pain is. And I asked myself, like, why weren't, you know, later on in life, I asked myself, like, why weren't brokerages in this space? Like, why is it so difficult? I realized that, you know, look, freight is billing off of the distance it's traveling and how much weight you're sending. And if you're sending a truck with two pallets 20 miles, well, the average order value is incredibly low. And so if you you are to expect some broker to get on the phone and try and allocate a truck for what is, you know, a hundred dollar transaction, like that's a waste of their time. They're just going to work on FTL stuff that's paying four, five, six, seven thousand dollars, right? And so it's really a true technology problem. Like you have to be able to solve it with, you know, you know, milliseconds of server time, not, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes of human allocation time. Cause the, the math just doesn't work. And so look, I took that problem and I just said, look, this is what I experienced and why Combinator taught us something very important, which is solve your own problem, 
right? Like then you, your North star is around a problem you really experienced. You're not just, you know, chasing some total addressable market. Like you have some conviction because you've experienced it. So there's a burning deep down to solve it. And so for us, um, that was it. That was the impetus for it. And, you know, I had had some success in the last company. We sold it. Uh, it was acquired by a company called Fair. And after that, I just took the top folks that I worked with, including my co-founder, Greg Luskin, who's just the, the best engineer literally all time. And I said, you want to come build this with me? I can't pay you anything, but you could be my co-founder and we'll do this together. And he was like, yeah. And he lived off his savings. And like, you know, we went out and raised very little money in the beginning and the rest of history, man. I got to ask you, what, so what industry is more messed up, the music industry or freight? <laughs> you know, like, interest, interestingly enough, like, it, in, in the right spaces, they're both, like, incredibly corrupt, right? And they're, they're, like, ran just backwards in so many ways. I think because people are trying to protect their piece of the pie. You see this in trucking. It's ripping trucking apart right now, right? And so um, I would have to say... I would have to say trucking, to be honest. Um, I would have to say trucking. For sure. It's just much more consequential, right? Like music goes wrong. It's kind of like, okay, well, but like also who cares? But like if trucking goes wrong, like we, you know, the, the, the literally lifeblood, the literal lifeblood of the economy stops and that can't happen, right? So the, it's just much more consequential and people feel the ripple effects of, uh, of, of the, of the issues in freight a lot more than more than they do in music. Although, I don't know, you might want to ask some of the people that paid $10,000 for Taylor Swift tickets whether they think that's the case, right? <laughs> that's crazy, man. So, hey, people who want to learn more about Mothership, they want, to, they want to follow your journey. Where do I send them to? Yeah, no, just look, mothership.com. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not super active on social media. Quite honestly, I'm a super head-down uh, CEO, and I'm happy to do these kind of, like, industry podcasts they're interesting to me these are things where i'm like a long time listener first time caller so it's always it's always really an honor to be on this kind of stuff um but i'm I, i'm on twitter at designing aaron i guess probably it uh all focused towards the company we we have some really cool stuff launching in the next eight weeks and I, i'd love for people to check it out cool uh 30 seconds can you tease it real quick <laughs> i think i'd prefer not to okay uh we we have a whole marketing team working on it. I'm sure we, you have a background in marketing too, sure. so I'm sure you'd understand me not explaining that to the people that are working really hard on it. But no, we just, you know, look, we're always working on a bunch of very, you know, very cool stuff. And I think it's, it's big, big releases around the corner that I'm excited about. And look, I'll come back on and we'll talk about it. I will. Yeah, we got to talk. I, I was listening to 99 with an anchor on the way here in my, my Honda Odyssey minivan. I was blasting the streets of Chattanooga. So <laughs> thank you for putting out some good music, man. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate the 0.001 cent of royalty I got for that. I, I'll try not to spend it all in one place. <laughs> Take it easy, man. I'll make you pay for dinner if we meet. All right. Will do. That's I'll a deal. I'll have you back. I'll have you right, back. Um, Take care. All right. Uh, let's tip the bend. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best last mile delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use the code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight, F-R-A-Y-T dot com. All right. Elsewhere. Dennis. 
Associated Press says wildlife officials are trying to capture this five-year-old otter who was seen wrestling away a surfboard near Santa Cruz, California on Sunday. The otter has reportedly shown aggression for several weeks. She'll be evaluated by the Monterey Bay Aquarium once she's captured. She's on the lam right now. They're trying to bring this otter to justice. I say, let the otter cook. Let her cook. That's her. Uh, that's where she's from. That's her domain. All right. Digitization and tech investment. How we got to now and where we're going to go. We got Dan Siraji, who is the leader of the transportation management pillar at Descartes. But he also did something really, really cool. He founded, he co-founded a company called MacroPoint that he sold for a nice little amount a little while ago to the current company he's with. Dan, really nice to meet you. You're kind of a legend. <laughs> hey, Dunner. Good to see you again. How are you? It's, it's really, where are you coming in from? Uh, so I'm in uh, New York City, uh, born and raised in Cleveland, but uh, moved out here about a year ago. You know, we just got, I just got out to Cleveland myself for the first time at our FreightWaves event. It was a great time. Got to see the Guardians at the stadium. Got to have a party at the, uh, the Hall of Fame Museum. And it turns out, if you're looking to book, book a conference, nice little place. You, wouldn't, you might not think off the top of your head, but once you go there, you'll see. They, they've really stood Cleveland up really nice these days. It worked out great. I, I loved – I was able to be there, too. I actually saw two extra inning uh, walk-off Guardian wins, which is always fun, too. Um, but yeah, and the, fr- the event was fantastic too. You guys did a nice job. Tell me a little bit about macro point. How did you come up with it? I'm always curious how, like when you're walking around, do you remember the moment you're like, it just clicked and you're like, this is a company and I got to start doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't a moment. I mean, we originally were focused on building Omni tracks on a phone. We wanted an ELD device on a commercial grade cell phone. We thought, you know, lower cost, high value and, and, we had a few hundred units out there, and then uh, uh, I was talking to a, a, a prospect, and Ed Wadel over at Panther, and he told me, like, that's not really a big problem you're solving, but if you could give me the ELD-level visibility on the carriers that I broker freight to, then I'm interested. And, uh, I mean, kudos to uh, to our tech team. We 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 dug in, we figured it out and, um, you know, delivered. And then, you know, it, it was, I guess the rest is history. We were, we were scaling, scaling fast from there. You know, that's a question a lot of people are having now, especially as a lot of free tech valuations have been drawn down in this economy. There's a lot of companies that are out there seeking for value. They want to scale, but they don't know, they, they don't know if they should go out to the market or anything. What did you learn from scaling MacroPoint and how does that apply to what's going on today? There's a lot of freight tech CEOs and entrepreneurs that listen to this show. There's one on just before you. Um, got any good yep, advice? Yep. Well, I mean, I think first we weren't focused on raising money. Um, we were focused on solving the problems that that were in front of us. So uh, that wasn't our focus. I mean, I think finding a great business partner, I mean, Bennett Adelson, my business partner, I mean, kind of like a marriage, we really trusted each other, brought different skills to the, to the table. Um, We had similar mindsets. I mean, if you think like the, the story I just told you, we were all focused on building the ELD on a, on a phone and then we pivoted and we built a great business doing something, you know, different than that. So good partners. We had kind of the mantra, when in doubt, keep going. For for any entrepreneur out there, you know, some days you feel like uh, you're a, a step away from a billionaire. And the other days you're, you're feeling like this is never going to work. And those ups and downs, 
leaning on a partner that kind of rides it with you and and has the same commitment to to just essentially winning. Um, as a quick aside, I actually broke my back uh, during this journey. I fractured my L1 through L5, Ooh. and uh, I didn't miss a day. I worked uh, from home on my back, and my wife had to had to tie my shoes and help me get get dressed in the morning for a few weeks. But you know, we were committed to winning. Um, and then the next thing is we got the right people on the bus. Um, you know, it's it's there's a book, Good to Great. I'm not a big business book guy, but but Bennett and I really rallied around that book. And that was one of the big things. Get the right people on the bus. I mean, look, today we still have the two lead architects that built the original platform part of the team. We have our head of product still part of the team. A lot of our sales and operations folks are still with us. So wow. Like you said at the top. Dan, that says a lot. I don't mean to interrupt you. That says a lot through an acquisition. No. Oh, that says a lot through an acquisition. Oh. A lot of times when those happen, you, everyone's gone within a year. Totally. And and I thought that would be me too. Um, <laughs> but then I realized I love the people I work with. I love the customers. I cared and saw so much more opportunity um, for innovation. But we're super lucky and we have, you know, kind of like a family, love each other. Uh, we're passionate about taking care of our customers and uh, it's been a great journey and there's, you know, miles to go before, uh, before we sleep, if you will. Well, you've literally given your back to real-time visibility, <laughs> you've broke your back trying to solve this problem. What does real-time visibility mean in 2023? I mean, I think, you know, at the, at the core, first it's pretender visibility, right? Thinking about what carrier should I offer the load to? And, you know, have they covered the lane before? Are they already in my network or are they being used by other brokers? I mean, we hear a lot about fraud and uh, getting good pretender visibility. We have a capacity product that, that helps do that. And it's actually integrated with Sonar for, uh, for lane pricing. So I think the first is pretender visibility. And then we go to the more traditional uh, execution level visibility. Um, and I think the raw material of visibility is location updates and event updates. Without that, all you have are pretty pictures and, and pretty, pretty applications. So we focused on how do we get more updates, you know, and then we start to overlay predictions and notifications and reporting. So those are kind of like the building blocks of, of what we think about is visibility. And then from there, and, and not to get too, too long-winded, but this is where my passion is. Sure. Um, we work every day. It's a knife fight to get more updates. We have hundreds of ELD providers, even just in North America, where we're working with how do we optimize the data that they're providing for our customers, right? How do we enable what we call kind of the good truck API to, to make sure that we're cleaning and cleansing the data in our e ELD visibility? And then, and only then, like you have kind of the building blocks, right? You have locations, updates, you have predictive ETAs and notifications reporting, and then you get into kind of what I'll call the insights. Right, that you start to say, we've built 
the baseline and now like detention, demurrage, where's congestion, uh, you know, by port or by facility, or can I get skew level data and get real time kind of views of those skews across of my network? So long story short, it's, it's, it's a, all of those things. And if you think kind of the maturity model, I think we've seen people kind of jump ahead and start to sell and believe in these insights without really understanding that, no, no, you, you need the raw materials of being able to get consistent uh, and real-time location updates and event updates to then build on other capabilities. Very cool. Well, let me ask you something. You look at this market right now, and it's funny when I was at when I was in Cleveland, the same the same events you're at. We we talk about this market and investments being drawn down, but there were a lot of talk about stealth companies and a lot of people I know who are angels and founders that were talking about money moving around companies that are being built up right now. What tech do you think is investable right now? Uh, well, I think well, number one is profitable. Yeah. that they've proven out that there's actually a profitable plan and maybe they've even proven themselves to be profitable. So, you know, um, angel investing is a little bit different than you get into, you know, growth investment. But I think, uh, you know, profitable companies, there's still money to be, to be invested in. Uh, and profit is the ultimate um, indicator of value that you're actually delivering a service people need, and you have a mechanism to do that profitably. And anything you like out there that you're seeing? We like, you know, and and as a public company, and we acquire lots of of these businesses, so can't yeah. highlight, you know, a specific one. But I'll say there's a lot of interesting things that I see in terms of fraud prevention. You know, if we think about carry onboarding and monitoring, and there's some interesting things that that are going on in in that space. I think pricing. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, I feel like we can take friction and cost out of the market, right? So eliminate some of the drivers that that are sitting, you know, for four or five hours waiting for a load to get onboarded. Can I find the next load for that driver? That's closer. We reduce empty miles. Um, you know, in Europe, certainly a little bit ahead on CO2 management. We'll see, I think, our customers here in North America with uh, a growing focus. And, uh, and there's some interesting tech in that space as well. Dan, I love it. Great insights today. People who want to follow you and learn more, where do I send them to? Uh, I mean, we, you know, macropoint.com, Descartes.com are two of the I think good places to to check us out and uh, and love your show. Love following, you know, learn a lot from the guests you have on and um, appreciate the uh, the insights, Dooner. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend and we'll go deeper next time. Take care. Yeah, I appreciate it. Sounds Enjoy. good. All right. Now my next guest, speaking of Cleveland, I ran into this guy there too. Sasha Sheet. Sa- Sasha Seymour, co-founder at Learn to Win. I didn't realize that, that was kind of a tongue twister if you say it fast, Sasha. Hey, what's going on, Tim? How are you, brother? Maybe just for me. I, I to learn to win five times fast. What's that? Can I no not learn to win Sasha Seymour? I, me, I think it's just a me problem. Now, now it sounds much, much easier. Hey, what brought you to Cleveland? Yeah. I ran into you. You were there with my good buddy over at Zoom. We, you and I, we both know Mustafa. He's always the man on yep. the scene. Yeah. So I mean I was I was there to to get involved in trekking. So 
uh, maybe just 30 second background founder of, of Learn to Win. We're a mobile first micro learning company. We uh, had a ton of traction in the athletic space, uh, in the military space, uh, have started essentially a commercial focused business and then ended up uh, signing this really amazing partnership with Nolan Transportation Group. And once we saw the success of what our technology can do there, we said, hey, actually, we think there's a huge opportunity for us to help uh, improve training within the freight and logistics industry. Uh, it's got a lot of the same training challenges that we saw in the military. It's got a lot of the same training challenges that we saw with these professional NFL and NCAA teams. And we said, well, why don't we take our similar sort of training methodology and our training technology and bring it here? Uh, and so I was out in Cleveland meeting some new people. Uh, and I absolutely love the freight and logistics industry so far. It's got uh, both a ton of opportunity for us to help, a lot of really interesting training challenges, and a lot of great people. Let me ask you something. So what was your background before Learn to Win? How did you get passionate about this this stuff? Where do you come from? Yeah, so maybe just the 30-second background on me. So I'm yeah. originally from Newburgh, North Carolina. Uh, I ended up going to the University of North Carolina, where I, I played on the men's basketball team. Uh, and while I was there, it was, for me, just just absolute childhood dream come true. I'm, I'm from North Carolina. I had always dreamed of playing basketball for the Tar Heels. Uh, and when I made the team, I got handed this sort of giant three-ring notebook and this three-ring binder and said, hey, go learn this material. This is going to be your playbook. And I mentioned uh, that to my roommate at the time, who was the student body president at North Carolina. And Andrew had been really focused on changing the way that traditional learning was done at the university. So uh, you'll probably remember from your university days or maybe your high school days uh, where you sort of were given, I don't know, the standard models, a professor gets up, they talk for an hour, you kind of frantically write down notes, and then three weeks later, you take an exam on it. Uh, and shifting it towards much more of an uh, and that's sort of the model of learning. It's called a passive learning model. Uh, and Andrew was focused on shifting it to much more of an active learning or a blended learning model where you might get a little bit of information and then you take a quiz question on it. You might get a little information and then you'd work together in a group. Um, and that active learning model uh, is actually how most people learn. Like you have to learn by doing. And uh, as they were sort of doing this methodology across classrooms at the University of North Carolina, they were seeing this sort of 30%, 40%, 50% improvement in terms of overall outcomes for students. Uh, and Andrew and I said, holy cow, what if we took that and applied it to this very competitive world of sports where we knew they were still working from a playbook perspective? Um, so that was the original idea for, for Learn to Win. Like, what if we could basically take these principles of education and bring them to the world of competitive athletics? Um, but then post-graduating from, from North Carolina, uh, ended up going to Ireland for a year on a scholarship and playing some competitive basketball. I was a pro baller there for a year, uh, then worked for a consulting firm in Atlanta, uh, and then went on to grad school at Stanford. And Andrew and I reunited actually in grad school at Stanford uh, to actually launch the business there. So the first version of the product we launched while we were in graduate school at Stanford, grew it to over 100 different athletic programs. We work with everything from the LA Rams to the Baltimore Ravens to we do all the training and onboarding for the PGA Tour. Uh, and then from there, ended up transitioning into military and now freight training. <laughs> that, that, a, a wild story right there. Before we, before we move on from uh, basketball, though, what is the highlight of your basketball career? Oh, man. Uh, I tore my ACL on national television. That's probably the, uh, probably the, the biggest highlight right there. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, really just making it onto the team itself. I was a fairly average high school player, uh, fairly average college player. And, and for me, it was just an absolute dream come true to be able to even sit on the bench for the Tar Heels and to be able to watch 
uh, how really excellent teams work and operate. Like the opportunity to watch Roy Williams coach a basketball team and the type of leadership insights that you get from watching somebody like that in action, in motion, um, was really uh, was really special. Um, I mean, I think in terms of like playing career, uh, I don't know. I got in in the last 30 seconds uh, in a game against UCLA and I don't know, a current NBA player uh, fouled me uh, and then I made a free throw. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And you got the free throw in and you were on TV and people got to look. It must be weird kind of looking at yourself like back when you're when you're shooting. Yeah. How did you get? Well, the, the, the funny part of it, this is a this is a sort of just back to my uh, my elite basketball highlight days. Um, so my my basketball career ended up I played in six games in North Carolina and then uh, it was sort of mid, maybe late December game. Uh, got in, got the ball at the top of the key, was driving in the bucket, jump stopped, uh, ended up sort of like end up basically knee popped torn ACL, um, which was obviously sort of a sad end to a career. But uh, I have five brothers. Uh, and if you're from a family with lots of brothers, you know that our brothers enjoy uh, enjoy sharing those special moments with each other as you go through <laughs> life. And so to this day, uh, if I end up trash talking in the family group chat, I'll get this sort of like, uh, I don't know, little video snipped meme of the sort of image from me from that national championship game or not national championship from the time I tore my ACL uh, and sort of me going like, uh, so that's, that's probably the primary highlight that just keeps getting replayed and replayed and replayed. <laughs> so, Hey, I love it. I love it. So let me ask you something. So you, you, you get into the department of defense, you're on PGA tour, you're in some NHL locker rooms doing this playbook, but how does that like translate to someone like Nolan? How does that translate to Trump? Yeah. Yeah. So really where we, uh, I'll give maybe a couple different answers to that. I think the first one is just the ultimate subject matter of what we're training on. Um, so as a software and as a tool, we really focus on what we call the last mile of training and learning. And it's that information that's really relevant to an organization, but generally tends to be sitting in the brains of a subject matter expert. It's that tribal knowledge of, a, of an organization. And you really can't buy that off the shelf. Uh, you can't buy it from a LinkedIn learning. You can't buy it from a Udemy. It's the kind of thing that's living and breathing in your organization, but it's really hard to put into uh, a good format for training and learning. It's sitting in PowerPoints. It's sitting in PDFs. It's sitting at the brains of the subject matter expert. And that's a consistent problem. Uh, when you look at a, a sports team, they're constantly changing the way that they do their plays. And so they update things in a physical binder. When you look at the U.S. military, it's a very similar challenge where uh, – they're constantly changing what they're doing as an organization uh, and all of that information on, uh, hey, here's how we need to repair this particular ship or here's the flight formations that we're going to be running. That's not stuff that you can buy off the shelf. And so uh, learn to win software makes it really, really easy to take all those learnings, take all that education, put it into a format that is sort of software based, that's structured in a way that's designed for people to learn. Uh, and gives you really great data and insights into here's what your teams understand and here's what you don't. Um, and the sort of learning problems and learning challenges is very similar when you get into the logistics space where there's all this information about, hey, here's I don't know, what it's like to be a freight broker if you've never been one before. Here's all the various terminology that you need to know. And here's how we do it in our organization. Here's how all the various different software tools you need to do and you need to know in order to do your job. And here's how we 
at this particular New Orleans Transportation Group do it that we believe is better than other organizations. And so we've just done a really great job of helping them codify that information, put it into really structured learning environments, and then giving them data and insight on like, hey, here's what your teams know and here's what they don't know so they can make better decisions about training. And it's honestly like just very similar problem sets and very similar populations of people who need to learn a lot of information. If they can learn it better, they'll do their job better. Uh, and a lot of people who are just trying to do their best to perform well. That's what you see in sports teams, that you see in military teams, and that's what we've seen at Nolan. You know, you, you say a great point here. I've worked for a number of different freight companies, and inside all of them, we have really stringent SOPs for every shipper and every account that we deal with. But yep. when you talk about, like, the internal side of the company, the SOP, FedEx had one. FedEx is a big boy. They're a real company. A lot of the other ones I work for, they had nothing. They had, like, a... a uh, a Google Doc or an Excel spreadsheet that someone who didn't know what they were talking about two years ago put in there, and then you go and you're like, "This, this isn't relevant, right?" And it's like a lot yeah. of warehouses are run this way too. People just walk around; they don't have like pixels, or people just know where things are. But like, that's great if you're a legacy employee. What about new employees in training? But there's so many companies in this industry that are just sort of run this way. It's like, ah, uh, you, you don't know until you find out. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that. Obviously, it's it's you see it a lot of companies like this, but it's not unique to freight. I mean, this is a challenge that we've seen across, I mean, dozens and dozens of companies. Um, we actually do a ton of work with Chick Fil A, helping run their drive-through teams. Like, oh, talk about an elite well, hey, performance wait, unit. Like, a little ch- little cowbell for that. <laughs> um, like, I mean, yeah. Speaking of elite performance units, we work with lots of uh, life sciences companies training their commercial sales teams. I mean, really any place where there is a high bar for performance, where you've got to get people better. Uh, and there's a lot of information that's sitting in the brains of subject matter experts that you've got to get them up to speed on. Like we've had a ton of success in. Where do people go to to learn more and get that Nolan experience and train their teams up and make them badass? Yeah, I mean, uh, my LinkedIn DMs are always open, so you can just find me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Sasha Seymour. Uh, we you can go to our website www.learntowin.com uh, and you can request a demo or just request a chat to find out more about who we are and what we do. Uh, you can find us on all the LinkedIn pages and all those things as well too. Now, before I let you go, you got you got a message for for our friend Mustafa here. You got something nice you'd like to say to him? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I've met him one time. Uh, I think he's a great guy. <laughs> I get his uh, I get his LinkedIn updates now about freight life balance. There's lots of healthy lifestyle updates, and so I just say thanks, Mustafa, for the shout out and the introduction to Tim. And uh, he seems like one of the one of the very very many people that I've met so far in the freight space who just seem to be incredibly genuine, incredibly like kind and nice, incredibly like focused on making their teams better. So uh, it's great to uh, meet Mustafa. It's great to meet you and chat a little bit further. <laughs> And, uh, looking forward to looking forward to seeing you at future things in the next Cleveland, the Chattanoogas. Fre- the Fre- future future freight. Now, in ten seconds or less, my kids are six and eight. I'm just starting to get them into baseball. What's your advice to keeping them motivated? Ooh, advice for keeping them motivated. Um, you got to envision success. Uh, when I was eight and ten, and I was six and eight, every single day I was in front of my Michael Jordan Space Jam hoop thinking about what it would be like to play for the Tar Heels. Yeah. Uh, and then it made it happen. It's Manifest so Destiny. Uh, Manifest Destiny. Thank you so much for joining us. Go to learn to win. Coach your team up. Don't get your ass kicked on the field. Be better than everybody else. I know you can. I know you can. Find us on Twitter at FW What the Truck. Find me at Timothy Dooner. Take care and don't be a stranger.